Welcome to the Fram Park Center for Faith and Life in Scottsdale, Arizona. This is the Out of the Park podcast series. We invite you to join us for other programming you can find on our website at www.framparkcenter.org. Join us. This is um, Kelly McGinn. I am the uh, Director of Administration with um, the Fram Park Center for Faith and Life. And this is my colleague, Dr. Mike Hegeman. Thank you, Kelly. We have just come off a week with some students from Princeton Theological Seminary in Princeton, New Jersey, and they have spent a week here with us here at the Fran Park Center and Pinnacle Presbyterian Church in North Scottsdale, exploring the region, uh, doing some singing, and learning a lot about uh, the Book of Acts as they went along. Lots of field trips, too. I think the the group of probably around 20, which includes students and staff, went all over the Arizona Valley, going to different um, churches and museums and uh, seeing the sites we have to offer here. Yeah, I think a big part of this program, this is the second time we've done this. You know, the first time was three years ago, uh, right before the beginning of the pandemic. And so what would have been usually like every other year, we, we had to wait a little bit to bring some students back to this area. And we were really lucky this time that we had students who were first year, second year, third year, fourth year, and even PhD students uh, at the seminary that came, made their way here. And I think uh, the only stipulation for the group that came is that they could sing. And so that was part of their, they called themselves a touring choir, even though they came kind of directly here. They went, they sang on Sundays at a couple of churches, but they also, um, they also performed a, helped uh, the choir of Pinnacle Presbyterian Church to perform and Martin Luther King inspired concert on Martin Luther King Day. It's fantastic too. Very well attended. We had a lovely um, dinner before with the group, and um, it's been so much fun having them. They've been gone a few days, and I'm I'm really missing them. <laughs> yeah, it's great to see kind of some well, I say youthful energy. Though I don't I don't feel too far away from being youth myself, but uh, but in fact, it's been 30 years. Kelly, since I first went to seminary, thirty years, thirty years, and I went, to, and I went <laughs> You're to. You're dating yourself. I am dating myself. <laughs> so, going back that far to Princeton Theological Seminary itself, and so why? What's this connection and emphasis on Princeton Seminary? So, let me do a little bit of what's a seminary, what's this all about? So, um, you know, seminary is a place where people preparing for ministry gain, you know, education for ministry, focusing on. Bible, theology, church history, and pastoral care. Pastoral, practical theology, we call it, but it's uh, all the different things that go on on running the church, doing things like preaching and youth groups, and so many different things are involved in that. But uh, a regular seminary degree is a a three-year Master's of Divinity, and uh, and that's a time for what we think of as mainline Protestants, uh, have this this opportunity for their students to uh, male and female to go through this program and to discern and to really build their skills and knowledge base for going into ministry. But that's not the only thing that happens in, in seminary. But we'll get to that in a little bit. Is saying not people often sometimes go into other careers. But we we wanted to start Kelly. Mm-hmm. You you brought up earlier when you know, when we were talk, thinking about our podcast today about the how different seminary is, you know. And and really like what are the difference in the students now and the program now as opposed to thirty years ago when you uh were a young student at Princeton? Right. You know, I think 
you know, for me to think, wow, 30 years is a, just a flash, you know, in time. And if I were to think back 30 years before me at Princeton Seminary, I would have said, you know, in the early 60s, that, uh, that the majority of the students, 98% of them would have been male, right? Wow, that's yeah. interesting. And that's a real reflection of the times, that very few women were going into ordained ministry in our major Protestant churches here in this country. And so the big shift, I would say, in that time frame is that by the time I went, it was about 60% male, 40% female. Wow, I wonder what it is now. Now it's more than 50% are female. Wow, I would say the group that was here was about 50% female, wouldn't you? Yeah, and so that's more probably more reflective of seminaries really seek to somehow to keep balance, but we find more and more women uh, in lots of denominations and even in Judaism. You know, many more women are going in to be rabbis and going in to be, you know, everything from Episcopal priests to Protestant ministers as as well. Well, you talked earlier about a lot of these students um, are at various points in their um, education. But what I didn't find out, what I'm curious about is the students that are are at the seminary, what if they're not going into ministry, what what were their plans? So for a place like Princeton Theological Seminary, they really focus on students that are coming almost directly out of uh, a college degree, so uh, so a bachelor's degree. And that's kind of been historic for Princeton Seminary. Other seminaries around the country and other denominations, they may focus a lot more on second career people. And that's not to say that Princeton Seminary doesn't have second career people, because even with the students we had last week, we had one who was 47 years old and he's in his first year of seminary. Uh, but we we find that uh, at a place like Princeton Seminary, they, they focus on residential education, where in our, in our changing times, a lot more people can do education virtually and from afar and to commute. And Princeton Seminary is a place that chooses to really focus on this community building aspect of having being able to have residential ed- students that, that gives them certain opportunity to grow in certain ways and to emphasize certain things. And so... Uh, you know, students who are coming right out of out of a college degree, some of them know exactly, they have a sense of, oh, I know I'm going to go right into the ministry. I'm going to go right to do my three years of Master of Divinity, and I'm going to then go right into the church. Some of those students along the way in three years, they find that maybe they have a different path. Maybe they're going to go into chaplaincy or pursue an academic career or, or, or all of a sudden our military chaplaincy. There's some things that they find different avenues for expressing this calling, perhaps, that they have. And they or many do go into, you know, to serving the church. But others find alternative uh, forms of, of doing ministry. Some leave the church altogether. And there's that's a whole different process, you know, because it all depends on what happens to them, what questions are raised in, in a seminary environment uh, and how that challenges their sense of faith. And others, others just look at it and say, oh, I never realized that ministry would be so difficult or the challenges facing the church would be so kind of gut-wrenching and find they think I'm going to find something easier to do or less conflicted. And so there's many reasons why people either go right directly into ministry or delay that mm-hmm. or, in fact, find other careers. And so so I talked about some people come some people come with that and they said, oh, I always intended on doing a Ph.D. in religion in a certain way. And so I go to seminary with the intent of applying for Ph.D. programs. There's always those folks, too. Sure. 
One thing that came to mind while you were talking is how lucky Princeton, New Jersey is to have this seminary in their backyard and probably all the little surrounding towns. And we, um, you know, we feel like Princeton is such a part of our program because we use a lot of their continuing ed programs and they come out here often. And we've actually been um, to a pilgrimage, you know, to their campus. But it would be so nice to have something like that in our backyard. But really, that's kind of what the Park Center has become for our part of town and our community. We would hope so. You know, so there is something very formal about a seminary, something quite historic. And, you know, the sense of a three year master's of divinity degree is, you know, it's substantial as far as what that means. The Friend Park Center for Faith and Life can't recreate a seminary in that respect. Sure. Right. But we can we can say what are the common goals of a you know a place like Princeton Seminary uh, and four of the ministers currently serving Pinnacle Presbyterian Church are graduates of uh, of Princeton Seminary and before that there were others you know before this current people and so we this church for some reason has historic ties to that Presbyterian Seminary even though there are uh, six or seven, I, uh, you know, pr- Presbyterian seminaries in the country. But the goal there, you know, saying this historic, it's hard to convey the idea of a historic curriculum for a seminary, but, it, you know, it goes back to the Middle Ages. Of course, it's been changed. The curriculum and what we learned has changed over time. And even in the last couple of years, Princeton Seminary has re-overhauled its curriculum and saying because there are changing needs of the church and changing ways that people learn and emphasis and bringing uh, voices in from the margin, you know, those who've been excluded from the congre- uh, conversation. Just as I said, 60 years ago, 98% of the people in seminary were men. Now it's more than 50% are women. So that's what we mean. There's changing times, and and, the, and those who come to the table to have conversations and learn about theology and the role of the church in, in public life, all those things, it's uh, times are changing. And I I was just going to ask about creativity. It just seems that um, these students have to have a whole new level of creativity with ministry coming out of seminary based on now this whole world moving online. And how do you create ministry online? I mean, we saw that firsthand um, during the pandemic. What what are your thoughts on that? Well, some some of these students themselves – Began, they're at this point, they're three years into their education, maybe, or just started. Some of them started online. For, and as they said, they, they expressed like things like, well, I, I was meeting other students in my classes online. I certainly wasn't meeting the whole student body at once. And uh, for a whole year, all I got to know of people was just what I could see on screen. And so when she, they talked about saying, when I, I met people for the first time, I, I didn't realize how tall that one yeah. guy was. Or or just or when we did come back together, everybody had a mask on, and I didn't know who I knew and who I didn't know. And so perhaps, you know, as, as Pinnacle Presbyterian Church has done and the Friend Park Center continues to do is how do we continue to reach people through um, – visual means, you know, online means, is saying that uh, these students, too, have had experience in their own seminary education, and now they'll go out to church kind of, uh, you're saying, perhaps, and we would hope, innovative ways of making connections with people and helping people to connect uh, and to learn and to grow and to identify with congregations and their mission through digital means. And that's, uh, that's something that, you know, you could see 
the great creativity that's possible there. At the same time, even we have to recognize the sound of collective trauma that happened sure. because of this, you know, and that's a, that's something that they, you know, there's something unique about it. it hasn't happened in a hundred years, you know, a pandemic of this size, but also um, the sense of it's not the same as it was in 1918, of course, because we have all these digital means of helping people connect. What's the best way of doing that so that we can overcome isolation, you know, people's alienation and loneliness and all that stuff and disconnection and seeing, well, we've got to, there's a lot of work to do and how to name that theologically. So not to just to throw a fancy word in there, but to say, we believe, as people of faith, we believe that God is invested in those very things that we seek to overcome. God, too, wants to bring us out of alienation and separation and uh, and disconnection and to connect us. And so the connection that we see, and that's what these young, younger people, too, are facing, is saying, uh, like in the 1960s, when every social convention was being questioned, we're again at that time. So all kinds of social... Like, what does it mean to be, for this church exactly, what does it mean to do church? And so that's what you're saying, mm-hmm. you know, no longer just expect it, that church will happen in an historic building, you know, a building that looks With like, a historic curriculum. Right, right, yeah, right, <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, I think right. that the creativity piece of um, teaching children ages, you know, two and three, um, Sunday school or vacation Bible school, all the way to our older group that um, really never even knew how to really use a cell phone to all of a sudden being able to have their own Bible studies and and worship services online. Um, There's a real interesting shift in ministry, and um, it's been interesting to hear these stories of of, um, how they're handling it. And so that's right. As As they are exploring those things in seminary, we would hope that each seminary student doesn't get uh, what do we call it, not siloed, but into an ivory tower. And a place like Princeton Seminary can feel a little bit like that sometimes, is that there, you you get separated from the world in such intense study. Uh, the, the school does a great job of putting people into field education opportunities, but that's what they're coming out here is like a, a field education opportunity because in maybe it's only a week, but they have an intensive time of seeing a new context learning about the struggles of the community around us here uh, historically and currently, and really engaging, saying, how does a church deal with those issues? And so uh, that's some of the things that they got to see here. So, Well, let's let that, speaking of, let's talk about some of the highlights from this week. We had a jam-packed week um, that the Fran Park Center for Faith and Life um, provided for these students. Um, we all, as staff, kind of participated in various aspects. Tell me some of the highlights that you enjoyed this week, Mike. Well, we had some very set things, you know, that were like, oh, a lecture. They were attending classes themselves with one of their professors, learning all about the book of Acts and kind of new ways of hearing that. But also around in our our area, what do we have? We have the natural uh, environment here, the beauty of the place, but also we were able to go on hikes where we could talk about the, uh, you know, the desert and how plant life has to adapt to the area and how human life has had to adapt for millennia to the desert to be able to thrive and survive in a place like this. And so we had hikes, but then, then talking about that historic context, we had to, we learned about uh, native peoples in the area and their story and how is it that, you know, the, the coming of Europeans with European culture, 
how that impacted the people from here. You know, it's from the times of the Spanish conquistadors, the conquerors, uh, and and then later waves of more northern European folks into this area, the, the claiming of territory and becoming states. And what does that mean for people who lived historically on these lands? And so they were able to uh, go to the Heard Museum, which is in downtown Phoenix. And that's a place which really seeks to present the life, culture, and art, and history of the peoples of the Southwest that predate in some ways that wait, certainly that they predate European um, you know colonization, but European expansion into this territory, but also how is it currently how do these communities currently interact with you know that which we call the United States of America, and so that history is checkered, and so we learn about the the boarding school program uh, for Native Americans, and we, we learn about just the again the impact of on plant life, you know, the inter interplay of foods and, uh, of course, then of reservation life. And why is something like this is so important? Because even uh, even things that we think we take for granted for knowing and understanding, we had a young seminarian, fourth year. So she's had four years of college and four years of seminary almost at this point. And she said, oh, excuse me, while we were at the museum, um, really, I know this, I can't believe I'm asking this question, but why do Native peoples live on reservations? Right, and I think a lot of them said they didn't know anything about the um, reservation life or Native Americans, and for most of them, it was their first time even to come to Arizona. Right, coming into this area, but then stepping onto a reservation. Many sure. of the students are East Coast students, uh, but what what we did, we were able to go to an Indian reservation, very close, you know, within you know thirty miles of Prince of our of where the Friend Park Center is here in North Scottsdale is a Yavapai reservation. And to go there and to meet with them in their church, you know, which is a Presbyterian church, and yeah. got to hear the history of why the Yavapai are there, and this place called Fort McDowell, why the military was there, what, what happened, and how these communities struggled and thrive uh, and suffered under the pandemic, but continue to find ways to thrive, to adapt to the desert life, to adapt to new ways of, of living while trying to retain historic community community ways of living for them. And so that was very impactful for our students. And such gracious, wonderful hosts to have our group out and make an entire um, traditional meal for them and sing together and worship together. I think it was a fantastic night. Yeah, it was really great. And then to do that in conjunction with the Heard Museum, and then also the botanical garden mm -hmm. here in in Phoenix also offers that opportunity to not talk not only about the the botanical life the physical life of the area, but to say how has human life impacted, uh, you know how have earlier peoples lived learned to adapt and build canals and to find food and to thrive, uh, but also now considering what does it mean for you know when. 7 million people live in this, well, maybe it's only 4 million people or so live in this metropolitan area. What does that mean for water? And so water was a big theme throughout all of this week with our students because yeah. they really, unusually, it rained the first few days that they were here. But then for the talk about saying, you know, rain is so precious to us that, you know, we build a whole uh, mystique around rain and understanding and it's at the heart of conflict. We were on our way to the Yavapai Nation. We drove through uh, a, a town that whose water has been it's about seven 
I don't know, I'm going to make up a number. I don't, I, I, I mean, we would just say about at this point, a thousand homes and families, their water has been cut off. I mean, it's a, it was 10 yeah, years in the Fountain working. Hills, Fountain Hills, Arizona. Well, no, up, up north of Fountain Hills is the uh, Rio Verde. Oh, Rio Verde, Rio, yeah. Rio Verde Rio area. Verde. And so in that area, I, I'm sure somebody will write in and, and correct the number, but just say, just to imagine something like a thousand families are now without water. Right. And that's what that means for the future of Arizona. And so seminarians, you know, as congregation people ask, what is the church, how is the church involved in uh, this whole, trying to work all this out? And where is God in the midst of all of this? And so our seminarians, they brought their own questions to us. They said, well, what's it like being part of a church where there has a lot of resources? We have resources to podcast, you know, I mean, that's, right. and that's the simplest of things that we have. Uh, but we have, we have a lot of resources. And so they brought their questions about, well, have you ever thought, I mean, have you worked at trying to be a more diverse church? Or uh, what do you do with all this? If you have great resources, shouldn't you be playing a greater part in the community to be helping people? And right. so they do bring important and tough questions for us. Sure. And uh, uh, we're grateful for that. But also, I think they just, they want to see that ministry is possible and that uh, committed, compassionate, and passionate people are involved with ministry to take everything that we learn in seminary and grow with it in out here in the out here in the church world. Yeah. Well, what a fabulous fun week we had with them. We're so grateful to um, their staff and all the students for coming and fully participating every day. I think they hit the pavement at sunup and and probably didn't go uh, back to their um, retreat center until way past sundown. And we enjoyed every minute of it. Um, I'm just grateful, and I look forward to having them come back out uh, every couple of years. And I think they offered as much to the Fran Park Center for Faith and Life as hopefully we did to them. It was just such a great partnership. I think you're right, Kelly, and I think that we can, we, what the Fran Park Center strives to do is to say uh, through education, through encounter and discovery, we are trying to live faithfully with the gifts we've been given and offer a place where people who want to reason together and to and to be engaged in in this world, kind of theologically, uh, with a with a theological tool belt, as it were, yeah. you know, just really understanding well, how are we different from uh, all the other different voices in the out there in the culture and the world. Uh, we hope, like I said, a, a compassionate engagement through education to grow in faith and faith and love and and that's the that's that's our goal. And so we're grateful to engage with such folks like uh, Princeton Theological Seminary and uh, anyone else we can discover along the way who wants to partner on this journey we're going on. Yep, everyone's always welcome. Thank you, Mike. Thanks for joining us at our Out of the Park podcast series. If you like this program and would like to check out more, go to our website at www.framparkcenter.org. Thank you.